The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Eric Franson, AJ Salveson. Thanks for joining us on a Tuesday. Hope you're well. Are you well, AJ? You doing all right? Yeah, I think so. We just got to get through this, man. I, it's it's a beautiful 60 degrees outside, decent skies, light wind, and it's supposed to be good throughout the rest of the rest of the week, I believe. And then, it, I mean, the Sabbath will end up being a bummer of a weather day. But, you know, this great weather, and it's going to waste because of COVID-19. Why is it going to waste? You can still go outside. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, but there's only so much you can do. What do you mean there's only so much you can do? What are you talking about? I can't go out with a group of friends and go play flag football. Well, no, you can't do okay, that. Okay, well, then there you go. You can go for a walk. You can go for a hike. I already did my walk. You can go golfing. Yeah, you could go golfing. Yep. Wait, have they shut down our you courses can... here yet, then? I saw people on Logan River just yesterday. You and I ought to go swing the sticks a little bit. Dude, we still need as to As long up... as we can stay six feet apart. By the I'm way, okay I got that. a text from Devin DeLynn. Do you remember Devin DeLynn? He's the executive uh, director of. Uh, uh, the, not the PGA. The executive director over there in, in Highland, Utah. And he's like, hey, great interview. When are you guys coming down to play some golf? <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot. We still, we still owe him a couple. <laughs> we still owe him nine holes of golf, don't we? Yeah, we got to get down there and go play some golf. I, the thing is, oh, Eric, is I suck at golf. Yeah, I'm not a great golfer. And so we're going to go down there and just absolutely suck. And then they're going to be like, you know, maybe you guys shouldn't talk golf. Maybe you should let the experts talk golf, which probably wouldn't be a bad idea. Uh, yeah. Hey, Eric, we do got some slightly potentially good news. Is that cautious enough to say? Yet optimistic okay. enough to say, okay. NBA, what's yeah, what is it? Has a hopeful opportunity that where they think they could have enough test where they could have these tests go through, have results back in minutes, and be able to play some basketball games as early and hopefully June. Baseball's coming out with an idea where they could actually play in Arizona. Now, there's a lot of questions to this if it would actually even work. Um, I mean, the amount of stadiums, clubhouses, uh, and then the more important thing is the heat. I mean, in Arizona, it's not like it's a balmy 81 degrees. It's 106 in dry heat, 104, 105. Can these end, and you're talking about these teams or I guess these guys going in there and playing either a single game or even a double header. That's, you know, that's a great point about the, the heat in Arizona. I mean, you already have the Cactus League. Right, we're in for mine or excuse me for spring training. Already have a lot of these venues that are, they are major league baseball regulation sized fields. It's where these teams play. It's where they work out earlier in the year, and so the facilities exist, so you could do games. But you're right, Ajay. I think the the big concern about holding all the games in Arizona is. What do you do when it's 115, 120 degrees in the middle of the day? Buster only did a Q&A on ESPN about the about this possibility of the MLB and the MLB Players Association maybe being able to make this work. And he said when he talked to one source, how far along are these discussions that they could even get baseball back by May? That's what their goal is, is was about early mid-May. And he said 
the source he had talked to is we are in the top of the first inning is where we're at. There's, I mean, there was discussions happening, but there was no uh, deep ground detail that was ever leveled out. Uh, there's still a whole lot of questions. In fact, from the Players Association, where some players are like, no, we ain't, this doesn't even look right. This doesn't even look good. This doesn't even look safe. And there's, there's some players saying that they wouldn't even participate if that would be the case for a various amount of reasons. And then, uh, of course, like we already mentioned, that there's, again, stadiums. I mean, you have uh, uh, Chase Field. You have the Diamondback Stadium. They said that you would have to go play maybe a few games. Which is that, one of the same. but Oh, they, they, okay. Yeah. And then you have, uh, you have uh, three AAA fields. You have the spring training fields. But then in regards of, like, hitting, BP, practice, you're looking at college, Arizona State. Arizona, and then also some high school fields to go even get BP in. And then there's a clubhouse issue. Do you have enough places to be able to get players in, uh, you know, situated in the locker rooms and all that? There's there's a lot of questions, but they think they're on the right track to hopefully get baseball. I think it'd be a huge boost for sports. Uh, I agree. And, in fact, Cal Ripken Jr. talked a little bit about that uh, in an interview uh, today, some of his comments about getting baseball going again, maybe even as early as May in Arizona. As a baseball player, I applaud that effort um, uh, in, in a way that uh, you're trying to figure out how can you get baseball back? How can you get it back? Uh, how can you create that sort of magical feeling again? How can we get back to some um, look of normalcy? And maybe uh, um, if baseball can figure it out, uh, they'll provide some hope for uh, for many other people. I know baseball has served um, the public really well at some tough times. Uh, uh, we saw how magical it was uh, after 9-11 and uh, the role that Major, uh, Major League Baseball played. Baseball is America's game, and uh, in, in many ways it allows us to cope and uh, maybe even go back to our childhood and, and have good feelings. So, you know, I don't know how it's going to be a complicated process, how they're going to figure it out, but I, I love the fact that they're trying to figure it out. Uh, Alex Rodriguez also weighed in on the possibility of the Major League Baseball returning as early as next month. Everything is so fluid, right? And we make plans and God laughs right now. So uh, I think uh, there, are, there are no bad ideas. I think uh, to start thinking as a player, uh, preparing for the earliest time possible is the greatest thing we can do. Uh, the worst thing for a player would be, hey, we think it's August, 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 and then commissioner says, hey, we're opening things up and you have to show up May 15th and you're not quite ready. So I think it'll be an adjustment, but uh, we, 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 have, we would follow suit. <laughs> uh, I like it. I love the optimism and I love their, uh, their like Kyle Ripken said, I love that they're trying to make it happen. They realize that baseball is, is, is I mean, it's a 162-game season, but you're already looking at June right now. For mini sports, that's a best case scenario, and baseball's like we got to get going. Like we're already way behind schedule here. If they even want to play 140 games at this point, um, so uh, it's again, there's a lot of questions. And as Buster only said in his article on ESPN.com, according to a close source, they're looking at like it's it's the top of the first inning right now in regards to these how these discussions where where the progression is, but they feel like these progression can escalate very quickly if sides can agree on some terms. 
Right. Interesting point from the article. It says, while health officials see MLB players as low-risk candidates for COVID-19-related issues because of their age and health, putting protocols in place to ensure the health and safety of older managers, coaches, umpires, and other personnel would be paramount to the plan working. And one of those ideas that's been kicked around is instituting robotic umpires, accelerating the use of that. You already have been doing it to some degree in the minor leagues, and maybe now is the time to adopt it for Major League Baseball. Yeah, it's actually not a bad you have idea. An older ump literally hunched over yep. another player. You don't get any closer than in that Eric, in baseball. In, in that kind of heat, by the way, again, Arizona is not a <laughs> He's cool be place. Tripping yeah, on the players, on the players, like that's not a very cool and you know breezy place. It's hot. It's really hot, especially in the summer. I I like the idea. I think if you can trust the robotic system, that it will do its job consistently without having any malfunctions. I why not? Uh, do you do you to 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 accelerate things to to get games in in a still normal amount of well, quote unquote normal amount of time? <laughs> do you institute uh, just mandate everybody has to do? A lot of double headers. See, that's the and other then do you question. Shorten the game. Do you only go seven innings? See that? Okay. So here's the problem: is that you could actually go double headers. Well, no, hold on. I don't think you can go double headers because you already have how many baseball teams are there? Thirty, thirty-one teams, something like that. Thirty, uh, I believe. Thirty. Yeah. You're looking at thirty teams in regard. Uh, what was it? Roughly how many stadiums in Arizona? Thir- twelve. I think there's twelve stadiums. If they were looking at. Yeah, that they were looking at. Uh, that is, I guess, let's see, yeah, 30 teams. There's 13 potential stadiums. You could play day and night doubleheaders at Chase Field. Uh, you'd have to play probably at Packer Stadium, or uh, Packard Stadium, I guess I should say. it's a, I think it's a college st- stadium. And then you have the two sp- spring training facilities and maybe even Arizona State's baseball field. So to I don't know if you can fit in double headers or how that would work. Um, if you can, you have to be really careful because and I and I hate to bring it up again. I, I'm gonna sound like a broken record. That heat is brutal, and even if you are staying hydrated to go back on the field and if you have a long inning where you're out there for 25 minutes, which in this day and age game is extremely possible, that is a lot of time in that heat, and that can wear down on a player more health wise. And that could be a scary situation. So, yeah, there's a lot of things you have to look at. I, I just, Eric, I or do you, don't. You adjust your start times. Games begin. There at you go. Maybe mid, like 10 early morning. Yeah, there you go. And after 8 p.m. Okay, so 10 a.m. would be Pacific First, time. First, it's a hard turnaround between a night game and the next morning. But if you schedule it right, you say, hey, okay, you played at 8 o'clock. You're going to play at 4 o'clock the next day. If you played at 10, you know, 10 a.m., you're going to play. Uh, like mid afternoon the next day, just something. I mean, you have to look at the schedule. Uh, but yeah, I you could. I th- I think that would not mm, give you at least a little bit more hope, Eric. But in the bottom line, I just I don't think you see baseball in May as optimistic and as driving as they are trying to be. And I give them full credit. It's just there's too much to work through. And if you still have players saying, you know what, I'm unsure about this, I would probably not participate. It's it's a lose lose situation. I think that really what you're looking at is probably still June midsummer baseball. 
Uh, here's some more from Alex Rodriguez talking about the possibility of seven inning games and more double headers as a potential solution to get more games in for Major League Baseball this summer. Well, look, I think back in the day, it was a thing of, of normalcy. Uh, I remember in World, World War II, uh, I believe 1943, um, the White Sox played about a dozen double headers. 1962, the Mets played 30 on their first year. Uh, in Major League Baseball. So back in the day, it was something that we did all the time. As far as the seven innings, uh, the only adjustment I would make, I would always make sure that I have an extra pitcher or two because we want to make sure that while we're trying to expedite the season, we don't put the players in harm's way. 5338 just texted, in Major League Baseball played games in empty stadiums this year. In other words, another typical season. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty harsh uh yeah for a lot of baseball teams that would be the case absolutely i like the seven inning idea because then eric actually you know what eric if you did a seven inning game you could fit in a double header you could fit in two games it's seven if you go nine there is absolutely positively no way you're gonna make it if you're gonna hold to nine innings i just don't see how seven innings first of all saves your bullpen saves your pitchers and and really does save your bodies from getting out of the heat yeah Save it limits your time on the field in the in the under the heat of the sun. Yeah, sure, I'm with you. I like that idea. Uh, as we talked about, some of the things that are being discussed by some major league baseball sources to make this potentially work: uh, implementing electronic strike zone, so the plate umpire has sufficient distance from the catcher and the batter. Uh, no mound visits from the catcher or pitching coach. Seven inning double headers which with an earlier-than-expected start date could allow baseball to come closer to a full 162-game season. Uh, Regular use of on-field microphones by players as an added bonus for TV viewers. And players sitting in the empty stands six feet apart. Recommended social distancing space instead of a dugout. So these are some of the things that they're looking at as potential ways to make Major League Baseball happen okay, so under certain guidelines. I disagree with the catcher, pitcher, coach coming out thing. Maybe limit it to two visits a game. That's it. Two visits a game. But you can't not have the catcher go out and say, hey, you know, listen, this guy, he likes a fastball in, so throw it out. Give me a curveball. Break. I mean, what are you going to do? Yell from home plate, hey, dude, throw me a breaking ball to outside of the plate. Because if you throw it inside, it's going to crush at 400 feet. Throw it outside. I mean, what, what are you going to do? You hear a lot more banging on the chance. <laughs> it's going to be a lot quieter in there. Oh, man. I mean, there's okay, I, there's I, so many logistical things to work out with this. Not, I mean, the, the revenue sharing, how that works, because uh, TV contracts and, and concessions and all that, uh, and ticket sales – Vary so widely from team to team. Well, here's the other question about that, Eric. Uh, are they expecting fans to be in the stadium? Going back to five three three eight, are they expecting fans to be in the stadium at this time? Or are they saying no? No. The 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 idea is that there would be no fans. So who's going to pay for all this? It just have to be based on TV revenue, <laughs> and it would have to be split equally. I think you'd have to split it equally. I don't think there would be just a way to for all teams to agree to do this if it's going to be weighted any differently. Someone's going to be left unhappy. Oh, a lot of teams will be unhappy, but because it won't work out, owners will be unhappy because they want their share of the pie differently than than others. But 
But you'd have to have some serious uh, restrictions about what is your quote unquote bubble? What is your zone? Like how many people are considered essential in your group to be able to pull these off? And then what are their travel restrictions? Um, are they, are they allowed to go out to eat? Uh, I guess you'd have to order it in because you can't go to restaurants and dine in restaurants. But uh, like, where, who else can you communicate with and hang out with and be with? Uh, and so I think it gets restrictive. But I think there are ways to make it happen if you pick a designated area that has a the um, the right kind of infrastructure to be able to pull this off. Yeah, and I I agree. I think it needs to be in a place like either the Cactus League. Or the Citrus League, somewhere where they have, where they do spring training, and they already have facilities to handle multiple teams in one venue, that already have Major League Baseball regulation-sized fields and everything already set up, um, that uh, that you could do that. Hmm. But because uh, the NHL is looking at something similar, the NBA is looking at something similar, even Ultimate Fighting is looking at something similar. And we'll get to those in a little bit. Yeah, Ultimate Fighting is really going out on a limb, aren't they? Or I guess you could say going out on an island, aren't they? (laughs) (laughs) Getting extreme. So, I mean, again, I I praise and I I bravo the MLB for trying to make something happen, creating something out of nothing. But again, I think it's just too optimistic to even get... I mean, if they say June, then I say, yeah, maybe you can get it to work. But by May... Too many logistics, like you said, Eric. Too many logistics to say, yeah, we're going to be able to get this done. I mean, we're looking at four weeks away. I mean, but if the way this year has been going, it's going to be a long four weeks. Still, I don't think there's enough time. I just I don't think there's enough time. And again, you are you got to look at the health of the players and the safety of the players. If you can get away, Eric, with playing a hundred and something games and and thousands of innings, without having someone reveal be positive. Because, again, it all goes back, Eric, that if someone is positive once again, they shut down. There's no way around it. They shut down. Well, uh, the NBA is looking at something to be considered to maybe work around that. In fact, this was some comments from uh, Adrian Wojnarowski saying, uh, basically, these leagues, and he's talking specifically about the NBA, but I think it could be appropriately applied to the NHL, Major League Soccer, whomever, that um, that need to be considering what happens if somebody on your staff, player, coach, manager, ball boy, whomever, what if somebody on their staff tests positive? Does the whole team shut down or can that one person be isolated? What the NBA would have to have in, in my conversations with people uh, is essentially the ability that if a player tested positive in that quarantine bubble, uh, that they wouldn't then have to uh, completely shut down a playoff series or isolate or quarantine a team for two weeks because one of their teammates or the head coach uh, or somebody in that immediate party tested positive, could they just take that player out, treat him, and then be able to test the others and keep going. And without that environment, without that possibility, I think a return is really difficult. I agree with Adrian. Uh, I think that you can 
isolate an individual, but have the rest of the organization continue. But in order to do that successfully, you have to have regular tests. Yeah. Even if you test positive today, you still need to be tested tomorrow. Uh, I think if they are able to do that, if they're able to pull that off, and I think that would have to apply to Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, NHL, anybody who's planning on trying to resume some sense of normalcy, even if it is just at a designated location, then then I think you can pull it off. If you can't, then, yeah, you're better off waiting. Again, rather be safe than sorry. I don't know. What what do you think? We'd love to hear from you. 435-339-0321. 435-339-0321. Do you like the idea of Major League Baseball or other sports leagues getting underway at just a designated venue, designated city or area, and uh, resuming the season? Though no fans would be involved, uh, but there's still this... COVID-19 pandemic is still ongoing? Or do you think it's better to just wait for the health and safety of all people involved to make sure that we're in the clear before we start to resume anything like this? So love to hear from you. 435-339-0321. Text in and let us know. Uh, We'll hear a little bit more about the NBA angle, the NHL angle, and uh, what UFC is also doing uh, in light of this because we're starved for sports. And uh, owners are starved for uh, the money <laughs> to get yeah, so happy sports continue to happen. Uh, so it's it's mutually beneficial to try to figure something out, but at the same time still being safe and, and smart. So we'll continue to discuss that and, and the, some of the other ideas that are out there for some of these other teams. And by the way, with that, we got to talk about what, Mo, what Oklahoma State's head coach Mike Gundy said today. About uh, about the need of his players and football needing to be back, and he has a much much sooner date than probably should be asked for uh, from the college football officials. Yes, yes. So we'll talk about that coming up next here on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, one hundred six nine FM, thirteen ninety AM. The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, thanks for tuning in and joining us here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Also streaming online at 1069thefan.com. That's where you can also go and find past episodes. Go to our podcast section. Great interviews that we've had in the last little while with folks like Sam Merrill and uh, USU uh, gymnastics coach Amy Smith, who was named the conference coach of the year. Uh, talked a great conversation about golf yesterday. So a lot of great interviews that we've had, and you can go find those at 1069thefan.com in the podcast section. Ajay, we've been talking about Major League Baseball. There's talk that it seems to be gaining some momentum that maybe they start as early as May uh, and maybe do those games in, in Arizona. Well, th- right now, this time of year, that sounds great to be playing games in Arizona. But in the middle of July and August, that sounds miserable. Uh, and you talk about safety and health of players with coronavirus, uh, health and safety of players and, and others seriously uh, in question if you're putting them out in the middle of 
in the middle of a field without any relief from the sun uh, in the middle of the summer in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, I can't imagine it get much much worse than that. Maybe playing outdoors in Minnesota in the uh, middle of uh, December, maybe, if you're trying to play baseball then. But certainly it's not a good situation. But they're trying to figure something out to keep these things or to resume some play and get things going again. Uh, NBA is also looking at something like this. And uh, uh, Brian Windhorst reporting that uh, there has been talk among NBA executives about doing something similar, finding a place, a city that can host multiple games and have venues that are good enough that you could have multiple games happening at the same time. And that discussion can, seems to continue to point to Las Vegas. They hold their summer league there. Uh, they hold multiple conference tournaments there. So they have venues. You could have games played in four or five different sites in Las Vegas that are decent venues uh, for NBA players to be participating in. But the question is always, can these uh, be safely held while still practicing some of the uh, health guidelines that have been set out by the president and many different health uh, districts and health organizations? And can you uh, ensure the safety of the players and everybody else involved? Um, and one of those ideas is that uh, the way you could be pulled off, as we heard, that there has there's this possibility of rapid testing. Uh, there is a, there's a lab that has this, something that can get a result back in less than 15 minutes that if somebody's positive, they've tested positive for coronavirus. It's like a diabetes blood test. We prick your finger and they do a little test and inside of 15 minutes, you know, positive or, or negative. Um, and uh, Ajay, this sounds great, but... Honestly, I'm a little concerned that these tests being shipped to uh, NBA multi-million dollar players instead of being shipped to help health workers on the front lines. People that are helping the transportation infrastructure of our country to continue. You know, things like that. Uh, if these tests are available, granted if there's an excess, if there's enough available to, to go to the NBA, great. But if there's a finite number, man, I'd much rather see those tests going to those that are on the front lines of this. It was interesting when Wojnarowski put this out as a tweet, as did Brian Windhorse, I'd say it was 70-20 in favor of being absolutely PO'd right now why these tests weren't going to, as you said, frontline workers who are in the midst of this, this absolute firestorm of the COVID-19. Why is it going to guys like LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Donovan Mitchell? I mean, why is it going to these athletes? Why? Why isn't it going to people who are dying one at a time? These, uh, you know, mid, late, old, you know, folks, um, young kids who might have been diagnosed with it. Why aren't they being, why is it, why are we getting help for them? And then the other 20% is, well, you know what? We need sports back, all right? That will bring this world back to normalcy. We need sports back, and this is the way to go with it. I'm not going to say which set I'll stand on. Uh, but what about the other 10%? Oh, yeah, I guess there is a 10. Then there's another 10% that just don't even care either way. They're like, look, I'm stuck in my house. I just want to go outside and see the world. 
I want to go watch a basketball game. I've got season tickets. I want to see my team play. Or you know what? I, I but at the same time, I got a you know a family member of some sort that's you know been diagnosed positive with COVID nineteen, and I want to make sure he's okay. He or she. The thing is, is last night Ernie Johnson uh, did an interview over Twitter uh, with Adam Silver, the commissioner. Uh, Adam was not as optimistic as many people were hoping for. Uh, he said, uh, you'll hear him here in just a little bit, but he talks about, uh, the day, uh, you know, people are like, yeah, how soon can we get an answer? Uh, and then he also answers, uh, you know, does he see a return in the near future? Essentially what I've told my folks over the last week is that we should just accept that at least for the month of April, we won't be in a position to make any decisions. I mean, and I, I don't think that necessarily means on May 1st, we will be. Yeah, this is not something that's going to have an answer anytime soon. Yeah, it's it's still going to be a little bit yeah. because even then, even if a decision is made after the end of April, it's going to need a couple of weeks for these players to start. I get their weights back, man. Putting up some some shots, and then I mean, plus yeah, I just and with eighteen games they need to fit in. Plus the playoffs, it's just you got to give them some time. You have to give them some time because if you have them rush back too soon, Eric, not only is the COVID nineteen situation still in play, but again, serious injury could happen if they're not in shape. If their bodies have not had a chance to be able to uh, regulate themselves back into basketball shape, there could be serious injury, and that would be you look at Boogie problem. Cousins. Yes, huge one. Somebody who was was hurt. And tried to come back quickly. And uh, uh, Kevin Durant is another prime example of uh, somebody that was was injured. Tried to hurry back and uh, maybe push themselves a little too hard, and then it became an even more significant injury after the fact. But as Adam Silver said, it's it's just too early to predict right now about when an NBA season could resume. Doesn't mean that internally, both the league and in discussions with our our players and the teams, we aren't looking at many different scenarios for restarting the season. But I think it honestly is just too early, given what's happening right now, to be even able to project or project or predict where we'll be. That's <laughs> as, as optimistic as I'm hearing people. <laughs> that's not a very optimistic from the guy uh, answer from the guy who's in charge of it all. But you know what, Eric? He's looking after the safety of the fans, players, and staff all around. He's not just saying, you know what, we need the money, let's jump right into the ship and let's go. He's saying, we we got to make sure that we are, we don't put our players, fans, staff members, coaches, whoever it is, in the building at risk to be sick. Because he knows there would be a lawsuit, heavy lawsuit coming his way. Let's avoid it. So in that regard, I look, as, as, and he says, I mean, the, the answer would not come any earlier than May 1st. And it will probably won't even come on May 1st. It'll probably come later on in May. But uh, and then the the answer of we don't know like the situation right now just it, it's all fluid still we don't know when we will return or if we can return at all it's still up in the air that's that that's got to it's just a tad worrisome. A couple of NBA executives uh, speaking anonymously so they can speak freely. Uh, one of them says, "If you're going to come back, you have to come back knowing that people are going to have the virus." Okay, yeah, then we can't come back. Another one says, Adam was the first to close, and that resonates. 
We're not going to be the first to open and have it be a disaster. So I, That's I, true. I think but... there's some real hesitancy from <laughs> NBA officials that we're not ready. Read that first statement for me again, will you please? That just that resonated more with me than anything. If you're going to come back, you have to come back knowing that people are going to have the virus. <laughs> we can't come back. What? Yeah, <laughs> we can't come back. People say, oh, it's not a big deal. It's a play. Yeah, no, it is a big deal. Because if one player's got it and he plays in the game and no one else has got it, well, he ain't playing. Well, that's why you have to do regular testing um, every day. Logistically, that's uh, that's a big project. But in sake of for the sake of resuming the season and getting something going... <laughs> And I think there has to be some some sense that, you know what, if, if somebody does have it, you isolate that individual. You don't necessarily have to isolate the entire team. But as we've seen, as we know, the, the tricky thing about this virus is that it can be in your system for weeks before it starts to manifest itself. So you could have it, but it may not be manifested, and you could be a, a quiet carrier. Uh, and still go on about your day and thinking all is well. And, and by the way, Commissioner Silver doesn't make the call when basketball can come back. The local government leaders will make the call, and state government leaders will make that call when they can come back. Uh, you know, that's a great point. I was reading a column from John Wilner, the mm, San Jose Mercury. Yes, really good. Really, really good. Covers a lot of Pac-12. He says that he keeps hearing people ask the wrong questions to the wrong people about when this sport will resume, or specifically college football. It says uh, coaches and athletic directors keep getting asked these questions. They are not the ones that can say it will be on this date, or it will be on that date, or we think it will be this time. Because the people, only people that can answer those questions are public health officials. And really, his, his plea was stop asking questions to people who can't answer them. And so for college football coaches that are out there saying, yep, we're going to start practices on this date, it's not up to them. Sure, you appreciate the optimism and trying to project some confidence, but it's not their call. Yeah. No, Isn't that what's going on with Oklahoma State? Yeah. Uh, you know, first, Dabo Sweeney, right? I mean, Mr. Private Jet, Double Sweeney himself, coming out and, yeah, this is going to happen. We're, you know, we're going to get football back. We're going to start on time. And I think state, and I I got to be honest with you, I think even the South Carolina governor was like, excuse me, but who are you to say that football will start on? I, I think it irked a lot of government leaders, Eric, especially within the ACC conference, those state governors. And then Mike Gundy comes out and... I mean, you want to talk about like a hold my beer comment? Mike Gundy knocked it out of the park. Here's Mike Gundy's comment. Quote, The NCAA, the president of the universities, the Power Five conference commissioners, the athletic directors need to be meeting right now, and we need to start coming up with answers. The Oklahoma State, uh, sorry. In my opinion, he continues, we need to bring our, our players back. They're 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22-year-olds, and <laughs> this kills me. And they are healthy, and they have the ability to fight this virus off. If that is true, then we sequester them, 
and continued because we need to run money through the state of Oklahoma. So, <laughs> your luck says it all. <laughs> See, this is this is part of the con- the, the concern here is that early indications were this virus only affects old people. It really only affects people that are 60 years old and older. Granted, if you're 65 years old and you don't feel old and I just called you an old person, I probably offended you. I didn't mean to. But what we're seeing is that the largest population of those infected are those in younger categories. And we have seen people in those categories die. I'm not a doctor. I'm not professing to be one. I'm just looking at what the numbers are and the Centers for Disease Control and coronavirus.utah.gov. Um, there, there is definitely a large population of people out there that are saying this is a government conspiracy. Uh, our friends in the media are just hyping this to get people scared. Um, to, to, so people can gain control of our lives. Look, no. These are professional medical people, professionals, that are trying to keep people safe. Um, and it's basically saying, look, we, we know better than the doctors and the specialists and the scientists. Um, and I think that's, you have to be very careful if you're going to walk that path. Yeah, and you don't want, to, like, if there's people you don't want to upset right now, it is those scientists, doctors, and state government officials. You don't think they're doing their homework? You don't think that every single day they sit in their offices and are trying to figure out where they're at, what's coming up, and they're trying to navigate through the situation? And here you are as a head college football coach trying to throw your unlabored employees, quote-unquote, which would be your players, out onto the field in a dangerous, dangerous environment where contact is shared, which means spit, sweat, whatever is shared, and that easily could contract the virus from one player to another, could give it to other players, and then you have an absolute horrific situation on your hands as an NCAA committee, and uh, it's it's not pretty. And Mike Gundy coming out as a football coach, and Dabo Sweeney, I don't care how many national championships you won, what are you doing? I think... I think it's a little bit different. I think Dabo Sweeney's just trying to be positive. Just you know what? I, I'm holding out hope that we can still <laughs> yeah, do this. Yeah, but you got to phrase out a different Gundy's way. Gundy's like giving a big bird to the, the uh, <laughs> medical profession and saying, "Eh, it's all a hoax." Yeah. Even if our guys get sick, they'll fight it off. Which you know what it is is more often than not true. Yeah, but we. We're seeing that when when people do and follow the advice of these medical professionals, it works. We're seeing this in the state of Utah. Big yeah, news today yeah. is that Utah is squashing this curve because we're doing the things that we're being asked to do, and the we were projected to be much worse a few weeks ago than we are actually right now, and the projected impact of this uh, isn't going to be as bad as but what we're not originally off the hook. modeled. We are right. not, we're not out of the, the woods. Hook. We're not out of the woods. We have to keep going. Really quick, before we go to break, Eric Adam Rittenberg, who we had on our show just last week, put out a really interesting tweet this morning. He said, quote, in conversations with athletic directors the past few days, one thing that keeps being brought up 
is without a national protocol for large-scale sporting events will be impossible for college football season to start. Can't have games greenlit in some states and not others, end quote. It's a, yeah, I saw that earlier. I'm glad you brought that up. It, it creates such a, an imbalance, competitive nature. If you can't practice, you can't have more than 10 people congregate still in your state. You can't practice. Uh, and if it's still a problem in your state or even in your county, but in another team, uh, county, in, in, in team in your conference, it's not a problem at all, and you can, how do you, how do you handle that? You have eight weeks for one school for practice and players getting together. You only have four weeks for the other one? Yeah. That's why I think there's a chance. And again, we're four months away, right? So, I mean, crystal crystal ball this or crystal ball that. But it's why I just don't know if we'll start on time because as good as Utah might be, Idaho might be in a worse situation. New Mexico might be in a bad situation. Other teams from Mount West Conference, Washington might be in a bad situation, so they may not be given the green light to be able to get going. And if that's the case, like you said, it gives an unfair advantage to another team, and that just cannot happen. Absolutely positively cannot happen. Or do you just forfeit the game until the team is ready to go? That's that's a good question. It creates problems. And one last thing from Adrian Wojnarowski, because this, what we're talking about, uh, seasons underway now, or getting seasons started, or trying to finish the last of an existing season in the NBA and NHL, not only has impacts for the now, but also has impacts on next year and how that has a cascading effect for these leagues. Ideally, the date they've kind of circled is Labor Day weekend uh, to have this finished. And, And, of course, that's still almost likely or I think almost certain if you push it that far that you are delaying the start of next season there's no question that this impacts not only this season but next season in the NBA and and that's part of what they're taking into consideration when they decide on dates now what does it mean for next year if you delay college football um, or if you yeah I, I think I think you have to you have to be seriously looking at um, eliminating the non-conference schedule. No, you do eliminate. I, I, I don't I'm think we're there you. yet. I don't think you can officially make that 100%. now. 100%. But based on the way everything is trending and where it's going to take some time to get out of the woods from this, I think that's looking more and more like a likely scenario. Or you say, look, the first two weeks, the first three weeks of college football are just, we can't have it because we need enough time for the players to get their bodies right before we start playing games. And it's getting unfortunate because there's some teams that are playing those big games, uh, not the, not small versus big money market teams, but like Alabama would play Michigan State or Michigan's taking on um, uh, in, in an early week zero game. I mean, there's just a ton of teams who have put their Power 5 ranking on their line to play another big time, and then that will go in effect to how what they end up in the in the playoff, or if they get to the playoff, or if they're competing for a playoff spot, it will affect it. So you gotta make adjustments. And another team you need to make an adjustment is BYU. You're an independent team. What are you going to do? Because other teams will have conference games on their schedule listed. Well, they just those games are just get. Canceled. I guess yeah, you, they you get, can't reschedule. 
It's not like they're gonna. So what do you do then? I mean, do you? You just like everybody else. You just you miss out on games that were supposed to be played. So do they just because well, they still have the rest of their 2020 football season? Yeah, s- scheduled out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, UFC <laughs> taking some extraordinary measures. <laughs> I like it to continue with with their season, if you want to call it that. Uh, NHL is also looking at some options. We'll explore those coming up next here in the Full Court Press. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, thanks for tuning in and joining us. Remember, if you missed any of our past episodes, you want to go back and listen to Anything that we've done before, 1069thefan.com. So you can also stream us online, 1069thefan.com. And to go back and listen to one of our past uh, past uh, podcasts. I got a text question, Ajay. Mm-hmm. Did the USU women's basketball team have some transfers? The answer to that is yes. They did. Yes, 5338. They did. Uh... One leaving and one coming. From what I understand. Dude, hey, Taylor Franson, that wouldn't have anything to do with the great Eric, not you, Franson. Not me. No, but the other Eric. I don't, I don't think so. Dude, Eric. I think I've asked her that, but uh, it's been a little while. How does she spell her last name? F-R-A-N-S-O-N. Yeah, that's how the other Eric Franson spells his name. Dude, is that? Oh. But I don't. I'm pretty sure it's not his daughter. Or that's what you think. What do you know? Not uh, much. yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's one coming in. They are having one leaving. And by the way, they've kind of started to fill out their uh, coaching staff just a bit. Uh, Jeannie Kenny, uh, will be an assistant, as will Jawan Scaife. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Scaife. Will also be joining as an assistant coach. It's inevitable. Anytime there's a coaching change, you're going to see some players leave. Oh, yeah. Just hopefully when the coach stays, they all stay. Yeah. Uh, Eric, so, UFC is going to get really creative here in trying to get their matches in, and I love the idea. UFC 249 is supposed to take place April 18th. Dana White is committed. He's going to make it happen. He says that he has uh, made a deal to host it at an undisclosed island where he could conceivably book flights um, for international athletes who can't come into the United States. Uh, he says that uh, it, it's it's close to happening, um, and he's not really disclosing where it is. He wants to keep it private. And this is uh, Brett Okamoto. Talking about this uh, recent announcement. Dana White doesn't want to tell anybody where that spot is. He's saying that he doesn't even want, not, not, not only is he not going to tell the media members, he's not going to tell the fans where it is. He told me today that he's not going to tell the fighters where it is, that he wants to sort of collect them in a few areas around the country, get them on a plane, transport of some nature, take them to the location of the fight, have them compete, and then leave not even knowing where they were. I don't know how feasible that is. Yeah, that would be called kidnapping, Mr. White. <laughs> you can't just say, hey, get on the plane. Put a bag over their head. Well, where are we going? Sedate them. Who cares? They Don't worry about it. No, day. where are we going? No, I'm oh, not going to tell are. you. We're going to take you to a remote island. Okay, that's kidnapping, dude. You can't do that. Uh, it, it's uh, it's still scheduled for April 
uh, 18th. It's going to be a pay-per-view event, and he's uh, he's bullish that they're going to do it. Hey, NHL commissioner uh, has uh, has talked about uh, completing the regular season that it just may not be possible. Gary Bettman was, on Tuesday morning was talking about the uh, uh, the completion of the 2019-20 regular season. Um, it was supposed to, I mean, conclude hopefully by I believe by May or and somewhere in May. And they, he's looking and he says probably not going to happen, and that you're you're looking at NHL playoffs just going right into that as soon as they're allowed to. Uh, there's about 11 to 14 games remaining for some teams for the regular season. There's 189 games left when the play was postponed, so it's just it's too much. And he thinks that the postseason will just start up when they're allowed to come back. That's, Couldn't the NHL do something similar with the NBA and Major League Baseball is thinking about find a designated location see, to finish out their season? And there was talk about going to North Dakota and just starting there. They've got several ice arenas, and they said maybe even Minnesota is another place to see if they could figure out remote places to be able to go play games there. Now, they were certain that they would not allow fans to be in the arena as well. Hey, by the way, did you hear about Mike Leach's tweet? Inappropriate tweet? <sighs> which, which one? Uh, the news tweet where he had a tweet out a cartoon figure of an old lady, uh, t- putting together or sewing together a noose and it was oh, some kind of a joke good. and it wasn't good. And the AD was upset and dude, that is not a good way to start off your time. At Didn't a, a player transfer? I heard SEC some news conference. about a player transferred because of a tweet. Two. Two players. Two have transferred now because of it. Oh my bleach. Yeah. That's not a good way to start your time. Get what you pay for with that yeah, guy. Absolutely. Just be aware. Absolutely. By the way, final score, Utah State 52, UNLV 28. They played this afternoon. <laughs> uh, yeah, AT&T Sports is showing a lot of these Tonight former at 5 games. o'clock, Aggie basketball, baby. That's right. Hey, thanks for tuning in, everybody. You can check everything back online, 1069thefan.com. We'll see you back here again tomorrow at 4.